Is the cure worse than the disease? Have we overestimated the deadliness of the COVID-19 virus? And finally, on today's episode, we talk about the green grocer and the cure for the real problem that's plaguing the world. Hey, it is Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Thanks for being with me today, with us today. It is the last week of November, first week of December 2020 to give you some context. And as I said, we're going to be talking about some pretty crazy things that's happening in the world today and the cure to the crazy. And that's what we're going to cover when we talk about the green grocer, the cure. But some of the crazy things that are happening that people sent me this week, um, pretty wild. In California, California, USA, the great state of California, they have this crazy law where churches must be closed, but strip clubs can remain open because Apparently, strip club is entertainment and, you know, can't deprive the American people of their entertainment. So what did one church do? One church legally changed their entity to be a strip club. And then the the pastors, you know, to make sure that it was legal, jokingly, you know, stripped for 30 seconds, you know, taking their, their jackets and ties off. It was a PG, you know, stripping <laughs> at the church. But I mean, this is the crazy things that's happening right now in the world because of the lockdowns of COVID-19. And someone sent me another video this week from Canada. And in Canada, this shop owner was trying to open up his barbecue shop on Thanksgiving day. And the police, um, barred the shop, changed the locks on the shop. And he tried to break into his own store and got arrested for doing so. And from the video, from what he was saying was, Hey, it's either I open up or I'm going to lose my business and my livelihood. This is, this is my only option. I can't live like this. I can't live in a lockdown. And you know, my personal thing, my personal take is, you know what, if you do not want to go and eat at a restaurant, you don't have to, you can stay home. You can order out. No one is forcing you to go and eat at a restaurant, but there are people whose livelihoods, small mom and pop shops across America and the world, Europe, whose livelihoods depend on it. Another thing that happened this week was in the UK, there is an anti-lockdown protest in the UK where 155 people were arrested for the anti-lockdown protest. Now, here's what was interesting. Before in the UK, they had an exemption for these COVID lockdowns saying, okay, protesting is exempt from lockdowns. And then they changed it. They, they said, actually, you're not allowed to protest. It is illegal to protest during these lockdowns. What, what is totally ironic is that they are protesting the fact that there's a lockdown and the government is shutting it down. Like this is, this is our, our fundamental kind of building blocks of humanity being able to speak and say, actually, we do not want these draconian totalitarian laws. And now when I say draconian and totalitarian, what do I actually mean? What do we actually mean when we say that? Well, totalitarianism and draconian laws, it's just things that are so arbitrary that they're, they're not coherent. They're not cohesive. They, they vary 
based on who you are and where you are. So for instance, in the state of California, why is it that a strip club can remain open, but a church must remain closed or a synagogue or a mosque has to close, but they're allowing strip clubs to remain open? That doesn't seem like an equitable and equal appliance of the law. It's very arbitrary. Some people can, some people can't. Sometimes the law is enforced, sometimes it is not. Totalitarianism is sweeping the globe. And why? What is the real disease here? It is fear. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily blame um, people in places of power trying to make these laws. I think there's an incredible amount of pressure on them trying to do the right thing. You know, the, the buck's got to stop somewhere and no one wants the responsibility of having the buck stop with them. They do not want to get in trouble. So they're just trying to do what everyone else is doing and it is driven by fear. In fact, Dr. Michael Ryan, who is the director of the WHO, the World Health Organization Emergency Services Program, offered a statement last week where he said, quote, what we want to try to avoid, and sometimes it is unavoidable, we accept that, but we want to try and avoid these massive lockdowns that are so punishing to communities and societies and to everything else. You know, these COVID lockdowns are sending, are are likely to send 150 million people into poverty by the end of 2020. They are horrible, horrible for people's livelihoods, horrible for people's mental health. Now, the argument is, well, as Dr. Ryan said, sometimes it's unavoidable, but What I want to talk about today is an article that was sent to me. Uh, We're going to read through it. It's from the American Institute for Economic Research, where they commented on something that was published by the John Hopkins University Hospital. And essentially, what this article points out is that, at least in the United States, COVID has not led to any number of excessive deaths. In fact, the death rate in America for 2020 is pretty much the same as it was in 2019 and 2018, the the growth of it. There's been about a 1% growth year over year from 2018 to 19 and 19 to 20. There doesn't seem to be an actual excessive death rate. And so we're going to get into this article and we're actually just going to read through it briefly uh, right now. On the show. So here it is. This is written by Ethan Yane of the American Institute for Economic Research, where he is quoting the John Hopkins University uh, study that was done by their doctors. It starts off with an editor's note, which states that the original study and article that was published by the John Hopkins newsletter from the John Hopkins University says that they they pulled it down. They gave an announcement and explanation why, because they felt like it, the, the study was being misconstrued and it did not have any peer review research yet. So John Hopkins University pulled back the article and said, well, we're just going to sit on this and wait on this. Why? You can read the announcement yourself if you wish. The link is in the show notes. But 
It is an interesting piece that I think it is at least worth considering and looking through. It does not necessarily mean that this is the, you know, God's sworn truth. Even the American Institute for Economic Research says that they are publishing this for the interest of objective science and open discussion. It's not their official stance. So here is Ethan. At the time of this writing, the United States currently maintains the highest number of COVID-19 deaths and ranks 11th for the highest deaths per capita. There have been approximately 262,000 recorded COVID-19 deaths in the United States, which is certainly a concerning number. However, a new study published by Dr. Genevieve Brand at the John Hopkins University notes some critical accounting errors done at the national level. The study, which is still being vetted, simply examines the raw data that should have been questioned months ago. The overall conclusion is that COVID-19, at least according to collected data, is not the killer disease that it is currently hyped up to be. And again, AIER, which is the American Institute for Economic Research, is not endorsing the study as it is without further study. But we are interested in the argument being examined and discussed. So here it is, viewing COVID-19 deaths in context. It is already well established that COVID-19 is a disease that is most dangerous to those over the age of 65 and who have pre-existing conditions. In the United States, there has been an observed 2.1% mortality rate with elderly individuals making up over half the number. Young and healthy people are not by any significant capacity threatened by COVID-19. One of the most important factors when it comes to COVID-19 is preventing excess death. That's very important, excess death. According to the CDC, Estimates of excess deaths can provide information about the burden of mortality potentially related to the COVID-19 pandemic, including deaths that are directly or indirectly attributed to COVID-19. Excess deaths are typically defined as the difference between the observed numbers of deaths in a specific time period and expected number of deaths in the same time period. Essentially, there is an average number of deaths every year due to a variety of causes that, for the most part, have remained constant through the years. This includes morbidities such as heart disease, which have long been the leading cause of death, and cancer, which has also plagued our existence. For COVID-19, to be a serious cause of alarm, it would need to significantly increase the number of deaths. However, according to the study, these data analyses suggest that in contrast to most people's assumptions, the death, the number of deaths by COVID-19 is not alarming. In fact, it has relatively no effect in the United States. The deaths, the total deaths in the United States shows no significant change, even mirrored past trends of seasonal 
illness. And so right now they, they present a chart where they look back for the last six years and they see every flu season, every winter, there's a spike in deaths and that the overall spike in death over the uh, worst part of the, the COVID-19 season in America only has an excess of 11,292 deaths. So even though we've had 262,000 deaths currently in America at the time of this article, at least, it shows that there's actually only an excess number of deaths of 11,292. Ethan goes on to write, according to this graph constructed using data provided by the CDC from the last six years, total deaths have remained relatively constant and increases can be explained by various factors such as a larger population. The spikes in deaths in 2020 are consistent with historical trends, only topping 2018 by 11,292 deaths. There have been over 262 thousand deaths attributed to COVID-19 in the United States. Yet the total deaths have not increased by any alarming capacity. They have only mirrored existing trends in short, according to the six year of data collected by the CDC, COVID has not led to any significant increase of death. So here we have this virus, which we think is leading to this enormous increase of death across the globe, at least in America, according to this study. It says there's actually no significant increase in the overall deaths in America. It's actually remaining quite steady. So what's happening? What's happening here? He goes on to write, diving deeper. What is even more interesting, if not more alarming, is that the spike in recorded COVID-19 deaths seen in 2020 has coincided with a proportional decrease in deaths from other diseases. Yanni Ju writes, this suggests, according to Brandt, that the COVID-19 death toll is misleading. Brandt believes that the deaths due to heart disease, respiratory disease, influenza, and pneumonia may have instead been recategorized as being due to COVID-19. Deaths have remained relatively constant, yet reported deaths due to deadly conditions such as heart disease have fallen while reported COVID deaths have risen. This suggests that the current COVID death count is in some capacity relabeled deaths due to other ailments. According to the graph, reported COVID deaths even overtook heart disease as the main cause of death at one point, which should raise suspicion. This aligns with many other well-established facts about the virus, such as those with comorbidities are at most risk. According to the CDC, about 94% of COVID deaths occur with comorbidities. This suggests that it could be possible that a large number of deaths could have been mainly due to more serious ailments such as heart disease, but were categorized as COVID-19 deaths, a far less lethal disease. And then 
they provide this graph by Genevieve Brandt that was in the study where it shows the number of increase or decrease of of heart disease deaths, cancer, respiratory deaths, Alzheimer deaths, diabetes deaths. And at the bottom of it, you see a total decrease of all the deaths week over week from the previous year. And you show the total increase of deaths by COVID-19. And so we see that in April of 2020, the second week of April, 2020, there was a total decrease from the previous year of 530 deaths from most normal causes of death of, of disease, minus 530 and an increase of 480 deaths. We see in the following week from the previous year, a decrease of 2,500 deaths, 2,540 deaths, and an increase of 200, 561 COVID-related deaths. You see, the next week, you see another decrease in total deaths of 1,605 and a total increase of COVID deaths of 1,651. It seems to be mirroring that as these other diseases are not reported, such as heart disease or, or diabetes or flu and pneumonia, it's actually being classified as those numbers are going down, the classifications of deaths from COVID are going up. Ethan goes on. According to this graph provided by the study, deaths labeled under COVID-19 increased while deaths labeled under other diseases decreased. It is also important to note that this sample only applies to the month of April. As the author notes, these were the weeks with the highest reported deaths. Jew writes, quote, the CDC classified all deaths that are related to COVID-19 simply as COVID-19 deaths. Even patients dying from other underlying diseases but were infected with COVID-19 counts as a COVID-19 death. This is likely the main explanation as to why COVID-19 deaths drastically increased while deaths by all other diseases experienced a significant decrease. If the COVID-19 death toll was not misleading at all, what we should have observed is an increased number of heart attacks and increased COVID-19 numbers. But a decreased number of heart attacks and all the other deaths causes does not give us a choice but to point to some misclassification, Plant replied. Furthermore, Brandt's research notes that the percentage of deaths has remained relatively constant throughout all age groups. COVID-19 death statistics seem to mirror the normal distribution of death among age groups, further leading credence to the argument that many COVID deaths are recategorized deaths. And now she provides a chart that's looking of the deaths across 2020 and showing that they remain relatively level. There's no massive spikes in, in deaths by a certain category in the total age range, which seems to suggest that there's a many deaths that have been misclassified as COVID-19 deaths. Brandt provides this graph constructed from the CDC data that shows that deaths amongst various age groups have remained 
relatively constant. By simply looking at the raw data provided by the CDC, Jew writes that, quote, all of this points to no evidence that COVID-19 created any excess deaths. Total death numbers are not above normal death numbers. We found no evidence to the contrary, Brandt concluded, unquote. What, so what, what do we do with this information? Well, Brandt, like many others, suppose that the extreme emphasis on COVID-19 has led to an unintended classification of the disease and the cause of death. She further stressed that although this data challenges the idea that COVID is an unprecedented lethal disease, we should still be concerned with mitigating death in general. However, it is clear that this significant accounting error regarding COVID-19 deaths, if true, is not productive. It has caused mass hysteria and misinformed public policy, closing down communities to fight a virus that, according to the data, has no significant contribution to total deaths, reduces our overall capacity to build a healthy society. Lockdowns have resulted in severe damage to our capacity to improve the general health of our society. From the catastrophic economic damage that lowers the standards of living for everyone to surgeries being deemed unessential, our current policies are not helping in preventing deaths in general. They are likely leading to more. Suicide and substance abuse are up. Mental and physical health are down, all due to the lockdowns. The late Dr. Henderson, who led the eradication of smallpox, noted in 2006, quote, experience has shown that communities faced with epidemics or other adverse events respond best and with the least anxiety when the normal social functioning of the community is least disrupted. That's not what we're doing today. The hysteria over COVID-19 has led to the alleged accounting error noted in Brandt's study, the reclassification of expected deaths from all causes into COVID deaths. That accounting error has likely led to a number of policy decisions that have drastically crippled our ability to support the general welfare of society economically, socially, and spiritually. Going forward, these findings should give us pause and reconsideration over the threat COVID-19 actually poses and realize how much avoidable damage we have done to ourselves as a result. That was by Ethan Yang, who writes for the American Institute for Economic Research. Now, here's the thing. What do we do about this information? Because the answer for you might not be the answer for someone else. As this study notes, people with comorbidities, people who are over the age of 65, they are much more likely to die from this virus. But if you don't have a comorbidity, if you are not struggling with your life already being on the line and you're young, you really are not at risk. You are most likely going to have a very mild case and go on with your life as normal. But what we can see right now across the globe is that this virus is not as deadly as we first thought. The moment that we stopped putting people on ventilators, the death rate across America began to drop. So what is the problem? 
The problem is that the response to COVID across the globe has been one of fear and control and totalitarian power grabs. For instance, allowing strip clubs and bars and alcohol stores to remain open while closing churches, synagogues, mosques, schools, closing small mom and pop stores that aren't deemed essential while keeping massive stores like Walmart and Target and big hypermarket chains open, crippling the, the, the small business owners across the globe. There comes a point where the line is crossed, where defending public safety actually produces public harm and actually harms public safety. As noted in the article, because there are so many things that are now deemed unessential, people aren't going to the doctor for preventative care and checkups. Suicide rates, unemployment rates are up. Kids' education, down. Gyms are closed, which is going to cause lack of exercise, which is going to cause more health problems. Is the cure worse than the disease? I read another, another article this week, CNN reported, in Japan, Government statistics show that suicide claimed more lives in October of this year than COVID-19 has over the entire year to date. CNN reported the monthly number of Japanese suicides rose to 2,153 in October, according to Japan's National Police Agency. As of Friday, Japan's total COVID-19 toll was 2,000. And 87, the health minister said. This is an issue. In Japan, there are more people dying from suicide. Now, granted, Japan already has a problem with suicide, but their suicides number have greatly spiked due to the lockdowns, due to the the economic hardships that we're experiencing from the lockdowns due to COVID-19. CDC Director Dr. Roberts Redfield said while talking about the need to reopen schools, he said this just on the 20th of November, we're seeing, sadly, far greater suicides now than our deaths from COVID. Dr. Redfield goes on to say that we are seeing far greater deaths from drug overdose that are above excess that we had as background. Then we are seeing deaths from COVID. So people are now having this, there's this excess death from drug overdose in America more than we're seeing deaths from COVID. Is the cure worse than the disease? Well, I'll tell you what the cure, the real cure is because the real disease that is plaguing the world today is not COVID-19, but it is fear. It is fear that keeps us bound in living a lie, bound by living an agenda that is not our own, bound to do what we want to step out in the world and do. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go and just totally rebel against all of your nation's laws. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I am suggesting that you begin to question the fear that you have. Because in a lot of places across the world, yes, there are Laws. Yes, there are lockdowns. Yes, there are a lot of things that you're not able to legally do, but there's actually a lot of leeway and freedom of things you can do. You can get out of your house, get in the car and drive to a coffee shop and buy some coffee. You can get on an airplane and fly somewhere. And my family and I, we have traveled 
thousands of miles over this last COVID season when the numbers have been spiking in the last six weeks, road tripping across the states, flying across the states. We've not got COVID. We are fine. And there is a the the, the fear of giving COVID is far worse than COVID itself. Staying in the house is far worse than the the reality that is outside. But we have chosen to relegate ourselves to fear. We have chosen to relegate ourselves to living a lie. So what is the solution for this? What is the solution that you and I can have that we can apply to our personal lives that doesn't require us getting arrested? It doesn't require us doing mass protests or riots. It doesn't require any of those crazy things. What is the solution? Well, the solution is what Václav Halal wrote about in 1978 in his essay, The Power of the Powerless, where we find the story, the metaphor of the green grocer. Now, Havel was living in the communist nation of Czechoslovakia at the time where there were just so many arbitrary laws where people were living just going along with the system because they did not want to face the repercussions of stepping out and living out what they really believed, living the truth. Now, this has far greater implications. And even though we spent a majority of this episode talking about the the lack of deadliness or deadliness of COVID-19, the the solution is actually far greater than what we're talking about with COVID-19. It applies to every area of our life across the globe, whether you are in America, Canada, the UK, Asia, it does not matter. The solution is the same. And this is a solution that Havel uh, offers to us in his essay that he wrote in 1978, as I said, Power to the Powerless. Now, in this essay, he puts forward a, a metaphor, a motif of a green grocer. This green grocer is living in communist Czechoslovakia, and every day he gets the food delivered to his store, and with it, a bunch of posters and banners that he is supposed to hang up in his store window. And he does it. Why does he do it? Because everyone else does it. He does it because he knows that if he doesn't hang up these banners and these posters, which mean nothing to him, which he does not believe, because he has to continue to live out this lie. He doesn't have to believe the lie. He just has to live it, to go along with the system as to not disrupt the system. Because the system is based on appearances. The system is based on not following laws of arbitrary rules. And everyone's locked into the system of communism, of the system of totalitarian rule and reign where you are not allowed to think for yourself. You are not allowed to live for yourself. You must follow what the party says. But Haval goes on to suggest, he says this, and I quote, let us now imagine that one day something in our green grocer who's been putting up these banners year after year, voting as he should in his union votes, which are just farce elections. What happens when the green grocer snaps and he stops putting up the slogans merely to integrate himself? He stops voting in elections that he knows are farces. He begins to say what he really thinks at political meetings. He even finds the strength in himself to express solidarity with those whom his conscience commands him to support. 
In this revolt, the greengrocer steps out of living within the lie. He rejects the ritual and breaks the rules of the game. He discovers once more his suppressed identity and dignity. He gives his freedom a concrete significance. His revolt against the system is an attempt to live within the truth. And as I've read through this essay, Havel talks time and time, time, time again about living within the truth, how we are meant to live within the truth, to live truth and not live a lie. And what I also love about Havel's uh, essay, this essay, is that he's not arguing against totalitarian versus democratic systems. He says, even people who live in democratic systems, they often We live within a lie. Right now you can look across America and you see so many people living within a lie. You look across democratic countries. The solution is not, oh, we need to set up a democracy. The solution actually is not a new political system. The solution is you living out agency, you living and walking within the truth. And we even discussed this last week with uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe's quote, which says, the truth cannot be changed, but it can be sought out. It can be found. And when we find it, we must serve the truth. And that is what unlocks purpose. It unlocks meaning. It unlocks, as Haval said right here, it gives freedom, his freedom, a concrete significance. It gives his suppressed identity, dignity. When we walk out and live what is true, and we say what is true, and we walk and we carry our lives in that manner, it unlocks purpose. And that's what we talk about here on the show. So what happens if the green grocer does this? What happens if he begins to speak truth? Well, as he says, he will be relieved of his post as manager of the shop, will be transferred to the warehouse, his pay will be reduced, his hopes for a holiday will be evaporate, his children's access to higher education will be threatened, his superiors will harass him, fellow workers will wonder about him. He will lose his quality of life. And that is why so many of us choose, myself included, choose to live in a manner that is actually hiding within a lie. We don't believe the lie, but we go on with the root, the rituals, with the routine of a lie. We play along because we don't want to suffer the consequences of standing out. But Haval goes on to say, by breaking the rules of the game, he has disrupted the game as such. He has exposed it as a mere game. He has shattered the world of appearances, the fundamental pillar of the system. He has upset the power structure by tearing apart what it holds together. He has demonstrated that living a lie is living a lie. He has broken through the exalted facade of the system and exposed the real foundations of power. He has said that the emperor is naked. And because the emperor is in fact naked, something extremely dangerous has happened. By his action, the greengrocer has addressed the world. He has enabled everyone to peer behind the curtain. He has shown everyone that it is possible to live within the truth. What happened here is that 
the green grocer did not need to protest. He did not need to yell and shout and scream. He just needed to stop going along with the ritual of culture that he didn't believe in. He just had to stop going along with the rituals of everyday life. And just by taking down the signs, just by not doing something, by not putting up the sign, it threatened these totalitarian systems. It threatened the lie that everyone was living in. But by doing so, by taking that individual agency, he was able to break free of that. He was able to step and live in truth. And when we begin to live in truth as an individual, taking agency to say, you know, this is what I believe. This is who I am. This is, this is actually what I think. Actually, I wonder if there's some nuance to this issue. I wonder if there's maybe another way of looking at it and maybe another way of voting, another way of living my life, another way of what signs I put up. And this is why we created this sticker here at the show, which is this, uh, this row of little grocery shops and all of them have red on them with the signs unite. And then there's one with a green sign, one person, it only takes one person standing up and saying, you know what? I, I'm not trying to create a, a problem. I'm not trying to create havoc. I'm not trying to, you know, tear down any system. I just believe that I, I want to live in a different manner. I want to live in truth. I want to serve truth. And the truth I'm, I'm talking about here, it is, it is not some, uh, you know, subtext of some sort of religious or moral ideology. It is the world as it exists. It's saying what you actually think, being an individual with, with individual agency and individual thoughts, walking out in the world as you so believe. And this, this is a thing that can break the facade the lies that we live in, the lies of culture. And by us taking those steps, it actually enables other people to stop and think and say, hmm, I wonder if I can take those steps too. Because it takes one person to stand up. And as that one person stands up, it, it breaks the spell over so many others. And so many others can say, you know what? I, have, I found a little bit of courage from the fact that the green grocer stood up and I'm, I'm going to stand up too. And I, I'm not going to put my windows full of the propaganda that I have to put up, but I'm going to seek out and serve and live the truth as well. To wrap up this segment with the green grocer, what Havalv talks about when he talks about, I mean, the title of the essay is power to the powerless. It's saying that the, those who are powerless actually do have power. And he talks about that within these totalitarian systems, within these cultural systems that are really constituted by, by facades and appearances, that every single person within that system is stuck within it. From the, the top of the power chain to the bottom of it, where they're all stuck within this system of living out a lie. But the place that the power comes to the powerless, if you feel like you're powerless, and you're like, I, I need to find some sort of agency within myself. It, it, it's just by, as he says, by walking out and living the truth that the powerless actually do have power, that you are actually a powerful individual with agency to create change in the world. And how do we do that? Not by shouting, 
not by making a hoopla, not by, you know, trying to stir something up, but it's simply by living our life with authenticity, being genuine, walking and living in the truth. And that means not lying, not hiding in the darkness. You know, as humans, uh, so many of us, we love to hide in the darkness. We love to hide from because of our shame, because of our shortcomings, because of our inadequacies. I even experienced this last week. I, I was hiding um, because of, of, of just really simple failures in my life. I was hiding secrets, you know, just white lies. And I, I had to come out. I had to come out and just face my shame and say, you know, I, it was to my dad, actually. I said, dad, I'm so sorry. I, I manipulated the truth to you about something really silly and stupid. And like, I don't know why I did it. I manipulated the truth, but I had to come out from living that lie and stepping into the truth and saying, actually, this is what I believe. This is what I did. This is how I failed. This is how I fell short. And I know my tendency when I fall short of something is I want to hide. I don't want to be uncovered, but it's by walking and living in truth that we actually find freedom. That's what we talk about here on the show. And so if you find yourself living in a facade, you don't need to make a big deal about it. You don't need to shout out and tell the world. You just need to begin to live in the truth and stop living in the lie. You probably don't agree with the lie already, but you're going along with the motions just because you feel like you need to, because you don't want to get in trouble. But this, it's, it's just like the mask that all of us have to wear. I'm not saying not to wear one. I wear one when I go out. I follow the rules. I, I think it's a way that I can respect other people. But in some ways, if the metaphor of it applies to other parts of our life, we're putting on these masks to cover up our identity, to cover up who we are, to show that we are conforming to the systems of the world, to living a lie. Whether we believe that this works or not, it doesn't matter. We put it on to show that we are conforming, that we choose to go along with the music. But metaphorically speaking, we need to take off our masks to stop living within lies and live within the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. Don't go away. We have one more short segment, Weaver and Loon segment, where we talk about two conflicting parables. Welcome to the Weaver and Loom segment of the show. Weaver and Loom is where we take ancient quotes and wisdom pieces and weave it in and apply it to our lives so that we can weave our destiny and own our future. Today, there are two quotes, two proverbs, ancient proverbs by King Solomon, Suleiman, that I always think about and I love their, I love, I love, one thing I love about proverbs is that oftentimes they're contradictory and you don't know, well, which one do I apply? Wisdom is knowing what proverb, what piece of knowledge, information to apply at one time. And so here are these two conflicting proverbs that really fit uh, everything that we've been talking about today. The first proverb goes like this. It says, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Is there really a lion outside? No, it, there isn't. But the sluggard the lazy man, it, it just caves into fear and says, oh, there's danger outside. 
I'm going to be killed if I go out. I'm just going to hide. I'm going to stay in. I'm not going to risk anything because, oh, I might die. Right? And we've been talking about that, that, you know, fear is plaguing the world today that we have in many ways misidentified the deadliness of COVID. There's, but there's some people who are at real risk from this disease that should pay attention, that should not go out. Here's the second quote to the second proverb to further solidify that point, which is the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So the prudent, we look outside, we look at COVID-19, we look at the the systems of the world and we, we see danger. And so we hide, but the simple go on as if there is no danger. They go on as with as if they do not have fear and they go on and they suffer for it. But the question that we need to pose for ourselves, for you and me today and for the rest of our lives is which one do we apply at which moment? How do we know whether the danger that we see outside is just a mirage, a lion that's outside where we're actually turning into sluggers, we're turning into fear, we're shrinking back rather than pressing forward to take our inheritance, to take our lives, to live in truth. Which one is it? Which one are you supposed to be in which season? Are you Should you in this season be prudent and see the danger that is outside, whether it's posed by COVID or something else in your life? Or and hide yourself? Or are you to go out because you don't want to be a person that lives in fear? So which one are you meant to be in this season? Which which proverb applies to you? Are you young and wild and free and you have no health problems and you're like, you know what? I, I don't have older people living my home and not going to put someone else at risk. I should go out. I can still go outside my house. I can still do it by abiding by the laws and the rules that have been set out for me. I can still go grocery shopping. I can still get on an airplane and travel somewhere. It might be a little bit more difficult, but there's not a line outside that's going to kill me. I don't want to be a sluggard and just hide. I want to take steps forward and continue to risk. Or are you in this season called to prudence where you realize actually the people I live with, I live with elderly people. My, um, maybe I'm living in the house with my, my grandma and my grandparents who have comorbidities. And I realize that if I go outside, if, if I put myself at risk, if I don't take the necessary precautions, I'm going to get them sick. And I don't want to do that because I'm caring about someone else. Which one are you meant to be in this season and in every season of your life? Because we can fall into either trap. We can fall into the trap of ignorance that says, I'm fine. I'm cool. You know, there's no danger. I'm just going to go on, but we suffer for it. But at the same time, we can be the sluggard who hides from false fear, fear, which is false evidence appearing real. So that is all for this episode. Thanks so much for being with me. Please, if you want one of these green grocer stickers, they're really cool. Um, I would love to send you some stickers. Just message me and uh, maybe ask a question that can show up here on the show. And I would love to send you stickers. If you ask a question, I send you free stickers. So ask a question. That's all for this episode. Remember, you are a truth seeker who lives out truth, who breaks free of lies and lives in truth 
truth, who serves truth. And from that, from that simple action of living in truth, you are able to own the future.